ladies and gentlemen, for the final time, for a few weeks, we get our time off. We get some time off. Oh my God. <clears throat> the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra is proud to present the Marvel Studios Fanfare. A one, a two, a one, two, three. None of that matters. Oh God! To, to start the Falcon, now he's captain, and he's, and he's got, got a shield and wings. Bucky's so unlucky; he's always with the Oh God! So now it is time to spoil, spoil Bucky and Sam. I think. I might need to start lower down. I think possibly, but you know, hey, uh, hey, it's all good. It's all good. Hello, it's Pod. All good. It's all good. <laughs> we had to bring out the big guns, right, for the for the sixth and final episode. What to of drown the Falcon out what we just Winter recorded? Soldier. Yes, <laughs> please, please. If anyone has any big guns, can you just fire them immediately when you're listening to that? That would be so much better. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to the sixth. And final spoiler special episode dedicated to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or should I say, Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Seems a little unfair to saddle Bucky with a name he hates, but there you go. That's what second seasons are for. Anyway, here to talk about the final episode entitled One World, One People, directed by Carrie Scogland and written by Malcolm Spellman and Joseph Sawyer, are... Four colleagues of such lethal cunning, our very own platoon of Avengers, Helen O'Hara. Hello. James Dyer. Greetings. Ben Travis. Hello. And Amon Warman. Sup. What, what is up, my friend? How are you all? <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, excited. Oh, a finale That's episode. That's the spirit. Woo. Woo. Big stuff. And there was a man and he had wings and he flew around and he threw a shield and there was a bloke with another shield. The shield was as good as the other shield because he'd made it in his garage and it fell apart a little bit. And, and there were horses and a man on fire and he killed the guy with the trident. So that's the recap sorted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm going to slightly shake up the format this week. I am going to... We're going to start off by talking about the episode, the final episode, and how we thought it how we thought it was, whether it stuck the landing, that old phrase. And then I think we're going to take some listener questions and Alrighty. use those as jumping off points to talk about the things that the listener questions are talking about. Then we'll talk about how we feel about the show in general. Now we've seen all six episodes, where it fits into the MCU for you and what happens next. What happens next? But first of all, let's talk about this episode, an episode that begins and ends with Sam taking the mantle finally finally size old man Steve Rogers of Captain America. What did we think of this episode in which a great many things were revealed, promised, hinted at, and some things were concluded? Who wants to go first? Okay, I'm going to float something here that I have to say, and I know that not everyone will agree with this, if anything, but that that new Captain America costume was fucking goofy. Hey, oh, come I on. Did, no, 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 I'm boo, having none of it. Boo him. Is that because it's Disney? 
they should have gone with the teal is really what I'm saying. <laughs> oh my but, God, will you but, give it no, up with the teal? It's not that it's in itself bad. It's the white bits, the kind of semi headpiece bit that go up the sides of his face just look really lame. And all the way through at the end when he's giving his big speech and there's a lot of punch in that speech, I was just thought, dude, you look like such a penis. What is happening? Oh, oh, that is just be quiet. Yeah, I, just, I, couldn't, I couldn't take him seriously. That outfit comes pretty much exactly from the Captain America Sam Wilson comics. It looks better on the page. I I slightly agree about the top that the thing around yeah. the head not being ideal because it it is weird that it finishes at his earline, but at the same time I think he pretty much rocked it. I think it worked. I just think what works on a drawing like because human faces are not the same as ones you can draw on the page like it just looked a bit weird i think if they just cut it off at the neck it would have been spot no, on no, but like the frame around his face like full on like you know fa- facing front actually looked great i think it's when he looks to the side it, it's mm. a bit weird on his cheek mm, and, it, and it you is. do then see it's like, why holes. are you living why are you leaving the top of your head free it makes very yeah. little sense um and surely it would come down <laughs> in the heat of battle and it would be a, a pain I, there are, I do have questions, but I do think like straight on, I think it actually worked really well and they had shaped it to Anthony Mackie's face and I, I thought that worked really nicely, actually. He's going to have a really cold top of his head when he's flying around. Surely the mm. top of the head is the bit that you want to be covered because he's going to be headfirst into some breezes. He's going to get yeah. brain freeze, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he really is. How did the Wakandans know what size he was? I mean, that thing fits very, very snugly or was Bucky, you know, sur- surreptitiously sized him up where if you look closely, if you pause each episode like the devil's haircut video and do we see bucky with a tape measure just quickly having a, a quick run at sam's inside leg and you know his the wakandans his, his know, arms man the wakandans know all i know is at some point sam needs to book a trip to wakanda and give queen shuri a thank you basket or something uh because he got the hookup he looks good <laughs> i like i like that suit a lot and you can't say that he looks dorky you cannot steve rogers spent so many fucking films especially the the avengers mm-hmm. looking like oh. the biggest dweeb in the world i think steve's dweeb suit is less dweeby than that suit wow. really okay oh, come, no. on. come on his avengers nonsense. look like even i won't stand up for that fuck this guy steve Sorry. had the benefit of being surrounded by other people in dorky costumes because he's the only one in a costume he just stands out and it looks ridiculous that like Bucky's all cool and leather with his sleeve ripped off and then he turns up in you know that with the weird headpiece thing and the red goggles he's in Even red white Falcon and blue costume. man he's in red white and blue these colors don't run James alright <laughs> but there's a, oh, there's a lot of white in this one whereas like there Cap is. it was very much you know red yeah. and blue wasn't it you know the thing I do like is that it, it feels Cap enough like I like the way that they've incorporated obviously it comes from the Sam Wilson comics but mm-hmm. like it has enough of the like Cap accoutrements it also then kind of incorporates elements of him as Falcon and it makes him feel kind of like his own incarnation of that character while also having the things especially the star in the middle that you just yeah. look at it and you go oh yeah he's cap you know and it's cool like the shield fitting between the wings on the back is mm-hmm. great and there's a bit on the bridge where he uses the shield and the wings to protect them mm-hmm. from like the fall yeah. and i was like that's cool like mm-hmm. that is cool like the way it works brilliant when when carly's hitting him and she's hitting the shield and he digs his wings into the yes, concrete yeah. that's that awesome super as well cool, super i'm good. just yeah. saying yeah. it would have killed you to do it in teal that's all i'm saying <laughs> look teal is not a color right it's not a color for superheroes give up the teal this is not going to be Become the next four-star masterpiece. I'm not having it. No more <laughs> can anyone, teal. Can anyone right? actually describe what color teal is? Because last week I was under the impression that it was a kind of a beigey, but I'm it's believe it's actually turquoise. more of a purpley. It's like a it's purpley. A dark, no, it's, it's, a dark it's more. Yeah, it's between green and blue. 
between green and blue. It's a non-colour so that exists between awesome green color. and blue. Is it more in the colour of Namor's Speedos? No, they're no, green. They're green. <laughs> it's not teal green, green no. teal. No. no. Teal is like, think of turquoise, but with sunglasses on. That's teal. <laughs> what? If you were looking at something turquoise and you so put on sunglasses, Lord. you would be looking at teal. It is dark <laughs> turquoise. You know, I think the suit looks good. I think there's definite room for improvement. And it'll be refined as Sam progresses on his journey. But what's interesting about it is that it is pretty much taken, plucked from the comic book, the same way that Jamie McKelvey's Captain Marvel design was. And that's new. There's usually, you know, costumes have been influenced by the comics, inspired by the comics, but never slavishly adapted from the comics. So what do you think of this new trend? It's kind of leaning towards more recent comic in- incarnations, right? Because that that version of, of Carol Danvers came post the beginning of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that um, Sam Wilson Captain America suit is, I think, 2015, maybe, mm-hmm. when that first came about. Yeah, so it feels like maybe it's some of the older costumes that they're slightly revising um, for the screen, whereas maybe some of the newer costumes are partly being designed in a way that like, oh, this looks great in a comic, but actually it could look really good on the screen as well. And so they're able to adapt those straight, ahead kind of yeah. um, when they bring them into to movies and TV shows. I think it's also a, a confidence thing. I feel like the, it's really weird to me. There was a, there was a post on Twitter that got a lot of likes, I don't know, last week or something, which was going, you know, I can't, take how dark and murky the oh, MCU God. is. And I just like, you know, and I, I wish they had some colour in their films. And then the follow-up post from the same person was like Zack Snyder, which obviously <laughs> made even less sense to me. But but this the weird thing about that is I was kind of sitting there going, but there is loads of colour in these films. If you look at yeah, something well. like Thor Ragnarok, if you look at huge stretches of both Infinity War and Endgame, albeit not the final battle, there mm-hmm. is a huge amount of colour and they are committing to, you know, comic book superhero costumes and they are committing to not, you know, just toning everything down like three shades, like you're looking at them through James's teal sunglasses. You know, so, and that's a good thing, I think. You know, have the courage of your convictions. Be a comic book movie. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also like that in this, that it, where he's gone from armour to, like, this, it's fabric over armour, isn't it? It's an interesting texture, this falcon suit. Because it's like, it's it's you can see it's armoured underneath or padded in some way, but it's like, there is a fabric quality to it, so it feels more cap and less falcon. I seem to recall in the, in the dim and distant past asking you, you what we thought of this episode, and <laughs> somehow we're talking about cod pieces, or maybe yeah. I just misheard that. Um, uh, what do we think of the episode itself? Do we think it was a worthy ending to the the uh, the season? Do we think it stuck the landing? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying that personally, I thought this was basically the entire series in microcosm, mm-hmm. in that there was some great stuff. Some good stuff, some not so great stuff, some really, really clumsy stuff, and some maybe even bad stuff. What did we think of that, though, folks? What did you make? I broadly agree there. I think after the third, the fourth episode and the fifth episode felt like quite big steps up. I think mm. this didn't quite follow that trajectory. For me, the fifth episode is still the best episode of the series. Yeah. Um, and I agree that, yeah, the stuff that hasn't worked all along kind of still didn't work here, mm. a.k.a most of the Flag Smashers stuff. But ultimately, it gave me what I wanted and what this show kind of needed to be, which is Sam as Captain America and getting him to that point and fulfilling that journey. Like, that story felt so worthwhile. And I wish that the whole series had been better told, but um, it ultimately delivered 
what I wanted from this show um, to the kind of general quality that I came to expect from the show as it went along, you know? Amon, you came on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think it was episode three you were talking about. You were talking about your hopes uh, and dreams for the for the show. If I recall correctly, you said that you hoped the series finishes with the title card, Captain America. I think and the White Wolf, we were hoping that maybe Bucky <laughs> yeah. might get a name change as well. Uh, but you, you got half your wish. You got Sam as Captain America is what you wanted from the beginning. And you got Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, Uh the Sam becoming Captain America was very satisfying, and that was the big thing they had to get right, and they did get it right. Uh, but I would agree with both you and Ben in terms of the other aspect, of the other, in terms of the other aspects of the show. I think overall, you know, it's probably a sixty forty split um, between satisfying and frustrating when it comes to the entire show, and that's it's, it's annoying because this show is so uniquely positioned to be to really say something in a big way and I wanted it to be better than it was. It's just interesting, like, you know, I think for all the criticisms of the show, one thing I think you will find universal praise for is Isaiah Bradley and Carl Lovely's portrayal of Isaiah Bradley. Oh, he was tremendous. In, in a show like this, when you, when you have a character like that, like if you had told me before the series began that Isaiah Bradley in the six hour series would be on screen for maybe 15 minutes, I would have gone apeshit. Like, a character like that needs to be <laughs> central to the show. And the fact that a lot of the big bulky scenes, which I wanted to see in episode one, two, and three, were sort of, you know, relegated to episode four, five, and six. And again, he's not on screen for that long. It's so frustrating to me because that is where it succeeded. And that is the bulk, that is the core of your show. So the fact that we had to wait so long for, for that, um, was, was, is, is the main source of the frustration. I just think mm. when you have six episodes to play with, you need to make sure you're setting up stuff, important stuff early on, and you need to make sure that you don't have too much to juggle. Yeah. And I think. Those are the, the two main things where the show struggled and where it really sort of had to sort of find its footing in the early going. So absolutely. He had five scenes the entire show. That is mad to me. Mad. And that, that scene, was it last week only? That scene should have been episode two or three. That Like, it should have been really early on setting up essentially Sam's dilemma. So it, it has time to marinate. He has time to stew over it. He has time to think about it. And and it felt like he went from instantly saying it and from Isaiah instantly saying this thing to him that a black man can never be Captain America. He goes from that to accepting the shield in the same episode. And that's that's the arc of the entire show. You need that yep. challenge from Isaiah earlier, much earlier in the series to really kind of have the weight that it deserves and the importance that it deserves. And it, that I find that incredibly frustrating. Having said that, yes, I agree. The, the Isaiah scenes in this episode in particular, and pretty much all the Sam character stuff in this episode, and in particular mm -hmm. his speech. Oh my God. Yeah, it's great. Those it's great. were spot on. I thought those were <laughs> yeah. absolutely brilliant. The, the Bucky character stuff in this episode, there wasn't enough of it, but it was good. I just had problems with so much else in this episode. Mm -hmm. This was this to me was like episode four. So even the stuff that was a new hope uh, episode four <laughs> of this show, Chris. Oh, um, okay. Even the stuff that fours. was really good, I find frustrating because it was you know not enough to 
pick up from from what had gone before and the stuff that was bad therefore stuck out even more so i didn't think that the action scenes in this were as good as they have been through the series to date um i thought it was a mistake to have this whole showdown played out play out at night it made it quite hard to see what was going on at times it wasn't initially clear on my first viewing that it was you know, there's two shots of a helicopter taking off because you see the the police helicopter take off for some reason as well as the sort of mm. rescue helicopter that why it's not clear it just is confusing it, it, stuff like that was just like it this is this could be so much clearer very very easily without you spending a vast amount of extra money and why is it not mm. so i just got really frustrated by that kind of thing and like just little things like bucky on the phone to carly and she sort of finishes by saying you know thank you that's been really helpful has it why mm. <laughs> i mean is she being sarcastic okay cool but then what was she hoping to do with that phone call? Has she explained that at any point? It wasn't really clear from the phone call itself. Presumably she's hoping that Bucky will somehow come over to her mm -hmm. side. But like, they don't really have that connection to explain why she would think that. Oh. I, the, the, the impression that I got was that she was trying to delay him. Delay him in doing what? From, from pursuing the flag smashers. But where yeah. are they at that point? They, he doesn't even know where they are to be pursuing them. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, why? Mm. what is she stopping him from doing? And even, you know, even straight after that, when uh, Sharon's going, you had one job, Bucky. D did he? What was it? Who knows, Helen? Who knows? I wouldn't venture a guess at this point. But Jimbo, what did you think of the episode? Uh, I, I mean, it wasn't a patch on last week's episode, which is a shame because I kind of felt like last week had redeemed it. Uh, but as you say, like this was much like the rest of it. It had its ups, it had its down. I didn't I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fine. I still, I think after last week's was a little disappointed by it. I do think, you know, it had so many good things in it and they all seemed so inelegantly executed. Like it just felt a bit ham-fisted. Mm -hmm. And you kind of, you saw what they were going for and like there's so much potential there. But like the goofy headpiece, it just <laughs> didn't seem good. <laughs> Cool we enough need to, me. to let the goofy headpiece go. <laughs> it's never going to happen. And also, I have a, I have a serious question. Why is there only one room in the whole of the US Capitol? Like, everything happens in this one fucking room. <laughs> they have hearings in that room. He uses it as a changing room. Sharon Carter gets her pardon in there. Like, this one room does everything. <laughs> That's it. That's the room where it happens. <laughs> it's the room where it happens. It's the room where it happens. Yes. It's almost like they have a TV budget. <laughs> we have hired this room for one day. We've got it for one day. Quick, shoot as many scenes as we possibly can in this room. Feels a bit like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, okay. The two hearings taking place there is not unthinkable. It's clearly under the same Senate committee. It's clearly meant to be a mm. Senate committee room. Doesn't look like most of the ones I've seen on C-SPAN, <laughs> but okay. Um, but it's, so I don't know whether it's, I don't know, judiciary or like some kind of superhero committee. <laughs> Let's go with that. And, and Val, maybe it's meant to be a, you know, demonstration of her power that she is able to just use it. It was a demonstration of we only have one day with Julia Louis Dreyfus, so we have that to also, use yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's take some questions from listeners. We're going to shake up the format this week, folks. We're shaking it up, as Taylor Swift almost said. <laughs> David B. Cooper. These are all people who have slid into my DMs. Now, David B. Cooper, the cheeky beggar, he did so before the final episode aired uh, with a theory. And okay. I want to give this to you. I want to put this to you now and see whether you think that his theory has borne out. So he says, are these Marvel shows being designed in a way that they could be skippable 
to casual viewers only interested in the movies. While as a nerd, I enjoy and appreciate the show's being extended spotlights, giving extended spotlights, sorry, to smaller mm. characters. How dare you? And there's undeniably introspective character development throughout. Mechanically, they appear to leave them in a similar place, e.g., at the end of Endgame, Wanda is sad about her loss. She could be headed to dark places next time we see her. At the end of WandaVision, Wanda is sad about her loss. She could be headed to dark places next time we see her. I, that's a little simplistic reading of WandaVision, almost deliberately so. But anyway, end of Endgame, Sam accepts the shield. Next time we see him, he could take the Captain America mantle and a Falcon and a Winter Soldier. Sam takes the shield. Next time we see him, he'll accept the Captain America mantle. Do you think there's anything in that? Is that is that a fair comment? Is it slightly cynical, if so? Yeah, no, I, I've kind of thought this from... When this this was my fear when they first kind of announced the TV shows that they would be designed to be disposable this way, and it does make a certain amount of sense if you're trying to make a billion dollar movie that will sell around the world in countries that Disney Plus is not even available yet in. Uh, imagine such a dark place. <laughs> I know, can you, oh, just horrific. We lived in it for like six months. It was <laughs> just what thinking about. But it, yeah, they probably are making some of those kind of, you know, considerations. And I think there's probably an element of even where characters are going to be introduced for the first time in the TV show, they're going to have to, there's going to have to be at least a couple of lines, a couple of scenes re-establishing them for the movie audience, because not everybody has Disney Plus and they still want those people to go to the cinema. So yeah, I, I think there's an element of that. And it, I think it's a real potential problem for these shows because it might mean that there's only so far they can go. Having said that, we have seen characters, you know, change between movies mm-hmm. without much explanation. Maybe we're actually getting to see where those change, those kind of changes come from, mm. see those play out, and then you know, one yeah. line, two lines in the in the movie, and boom, hey, Cap has a beard now, and he rolls his sleeves up, and it's great. <laughs> Bruce Banner you know? had a completely different face between the Incredible <laughs> Hulk and right? Avengers. Bruce got a new face. And Rhodey, don't even get me started on Rhodey. <laughs> or Thanos. Oh my God, no here he goes. He also <laughs> had a new face. That's a perfectly legitimate statement. We should have like a Marvel swear jar, but it's just Thanos. And every time yeah. James says it, he has to pay five pounds. Mm. What did it cost him? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 see, I see that as well. But I, I, I do wonder, like Wanda is in a very different place. She looks completely different for a start at the end of WandaVision. There's a brand new white vision running around (laughs) doing something. Monica Rambo has her powers at the end of WandaVision. But this show is a bit more status quo-y apart from Sam, who is Captain America and is really owning it and looks different and has a shield now with magnets. Yeah, magnets! Uh, but Bucky, Bucky is a bit... Uh, yeah, what is Bucky's arc in this show? Where is Bucky? What, what's different about Bucky at the end of the show and at the beginning of the show? I, I'm not sure uh, if he's advanced greatly. It's all on the inside, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I, even then, I, I feel like there could have been a bit more there. I feel like he has gained a measure of peace. I think that conversation with Sam last week was really, really important. I think his conversation um, with the father of his victim this week, whose name I have literally forgotten because it was last said in episode one. <laughs> Yuri. Um, Yuri, thank you. Uh, I think Yuri, that, that was important for him, clearly. I think there is a, a, 
a gaining of some kind of peace, but not a lot and not a lot of explicit development. And I think we were meant to get some of that from the conversation with Carly, but even then I felt like it was under mm. underdeveloped and underwhelming. You know, he said he, he tried to do the right thing and failed twice. So I guess that's what, dying in World War II and then being wiped out in Infinity War? Or what? what's the twice? Or is it being captured by Hydra in the first place? I don't know. The the twice doesn't add up to me, but okay, sure. I respect his right to count his life the way he wants to. But he's also like had some pretty big wins that should maybe be taken well, he is into the consideration. Wind soldier. <laughs> oh, that's, that's okay. where the name comes from. Yeah, I <laughs> he guess he just couldn't stop winning. <sighs> yeah, yeah. I just I I would have liked a little bit more explicit development for him. I guess we do see again that the. the the list, you know, he has crossed everything off on his list. He's he's sent it back to his therapist as, as a sign of something. But I always want more from him, maybe. Yeah, I, I thought that was on Helen's list. More explicit Bucky, I think, was on your notes. <laughs> That's what that meant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. I would okay. agree with you on the Yorvi element of Bucky's story. The fact that we haven't sort of seen or heard from him since episode one. And then when we finally sort of get to the scene where he makes amends, we get it from really only his perspective for about ten seconds, and that scene is yep. cut. We have to see the whole brunt yeah. of that scene. We don't even we don't even hear the word yeah. sorry, which is a problem because you, you, you compare that to how uh, the show uh, wraps up the Sam Wilson Isaiah Bradley story. Why can't Bucky yeah. get that same sort of treatment? I think that was a problem. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, clearly, I remember asking Carrie Scogland. I think I asked Malcolm Spellman this, that, you know, WandaVision clearly became about Wanda. And we talked about this in the show. It was Wanda's story. And I asked, was this going to be, even though it's called Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is it going to ultimately be about, be about Sam's story? And they, you know, did that usual thing. They can really, they can really, really do after one episode. Go, oh, you'll have to wait to <laughs> see. But no, both guys are kind of, both guys are, are fairly equal. But in this episode, it is clear, and, and, and rightly so, that it mm. is Sam's story. And Sam yeah. gets to do all the big hero moments really belong to Sam. But it feels like Bucky then becomes a bit of an afterthought in what should be half of his own show. And yeah. I felt that we've talked an awful lot over the last few episodes about how there feels to me that there's been a lot of snipping going on mm. with this, that the scissors have come out for whatever reason. I've been quite happy for each of these episodes to be an hour long if it meant we got some really, really cool character stuff. Mm -hmm. And for me, Bucky, almost emotionally, his story ended last episode if you will yeah and there wasn't really a reason for him to be in new york apart from the fact that he lives in new york and he's sam's mate and then he was kind of superfluous to the main the main attack the grc attack and then the the the, the chat with yori just felt really really mm -hmm. truncated and yeah. also you're absolutely right we only got it from his point of view because yori's Presumably full of questions. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, yes. Well, I, I knew my son was murdered because presumably they found him with a bullet hole in his head. So, okay, thanks you, thank you for that. But you, sorry, sorry. You say Winter Soldier killed him. What? What is a Winter Soldier? You're the Winter Soldier. Okay, I have more questions mm -hmm. now. He explains <laughs> yeah. it really badly. Like the, yeah, he explains it terribly. When he says yes. like I did it because I had to, that sounds like you were just like <laughs> a bad dude rather than I was literally brainwashed and didn't know what I was doing and had no control over anything that I was doing. Like yeah. you've made yourself sound more complicit than you actually mm -hmm. are. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really it's a really again not murder, but it's a really bad. Bucky himself uses the word murdered. 
I know he does, but he's wrong. Um, legally mm, speaking. Okay, you blood-sucking <laughs> lawyer types are all the same. <laughs> We've had this so many times, people are going to be so bored. This is my teal, you see. Uh, or Thanos was in the rights. This is this is the hill I will die on. Um, one moment I did really like for Bucky, there, there, were, there were a few. The, one of my favourites was when the police get out of his way and call him Sergeant Barnes. Yeah. I thought that was really, mm-hmm. really nice. Um, I also liked uh, his interplay with Sam straight after the amazing speech. So he starts off that speech and he's got his eye on Walker and he's like keeping an eye on him to make sure he doesn't do anything fucking stupid. But even he then gets swept up in the speech, which I thought was really good. And then he kind of plays it off with Sam and that really nice. I mean, I, I sort of was texting. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. that was great. Love them at that point. I just think they're great together, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to do the heavy lifting with Bucky as well. Um, and just, yeah, this just needed like 10 times as many character mm-hmm. scenes. My God, we're literally nobody is, well, okay. Some people are tuning into this show for action. Most people are tuning into this show because they're deeply in love with these characters and want them to hang out more. Mm. Which is why I think last week's episode affected me so much. I, mean, I was talking mm. about how I teared up a number of times during the show. And it was because it was giving us those quiet character moments that really affect you, even though these characters have only had a smidgen of screen time in the MCU compared, obviously, to Tony and Steve and Thor. Handfuls of minutes, if you will. But Wanda... Vision, Wanda and Vision, their story got to me emotionally and Sam's story, Bucky's story, even Simo last week got to me on an emotional level. And that's what she, that's what happens. We're here for the characters, mm-hmm. not necessarily how cool they look, although Sam did look pretty fucking cool with the wings and the shield. That was that was very, very cool. But you're absolutely right. More character stuff, less of the punchy, punchy, kicky, kicky. you kicking. say that, and yet I enjoyed the fact that Bucky went full Fast and Furious in this. First of all, with that kind of reversed wheelie thing where he goes flying over the barricade head first, which is classic yeah, Don fun. Toretto. And then you have that final, <laughs> we're all family, break out the Coronas sequence with like Sam and the neighbours. You're like, this is transplanted from a Fast and Furious film. But do you know what's great? He bought a gi- he brought a giant cake with him. I mean, could he be any more perfect? And then, and then the bit where he's just standing with his arm out and like yes. three kids dangling yeah. off his arm, adorable. Absolutely adorable. Love it. So, James, are you saying that Bucky is a dom? Yes, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) We just need a sub. I'm going to update your fan fiction there, hell. (laughs) BRB got some new stuff to animate. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be several months. Coming soon to star on Disney Plus, the adult section. Yeah, I think if you're um, in the, the, the name of one of these shows, but you're the second name in the title, you have to prepare yourself for the fact that this show is not about you uh, in the same way. So WandaVision, it's more Wonder than Vision. Falcon and Winter Soldier was more Falcon than Winter Soldier. Yeah. Ant and Dex, more about Ant. <laughs> yeah, classically. <laughs> I think going back to the question, it is a simplified reading, but I think, and I think there is an element of truth to it, but I think at the same time, if you look at Wanda and you look at, at Sam, they are both completely different people. People in in many senses by the end of these shows like they have new names they have new costumes they have gone through a lot and we've been there through that so i think you can see that they haven't moved them on to the a place that if somebody then came along to see a film and those characters were there they'd be like wait who the fuck is this <laughs> but at the same time they haven't done nothing with those characters you know I, I think they kind of play that line quite nicely actually in that you look at who these people are episode one versus the finale and a lot has clearly gone down and they have transformed in many ways but i also think that they wouldn't be confusing to people who don't necessarily follow all of this stuff to the same degree as we do and and that's kind of happened as you say in the movies as well like there will be certain people 
they don't even in like Infinity War and Endgame they think they presume you will have seen a lot of these films but there are certain characters where it's like do you know what you're just going to have to accept that this is who this person is if you haven't seen all the films yeah, um, yeah. and yeah. and you will will present it in a way that you're not going to be lost for who this person is or what they're doing and talk about Sam <laughs> I realise we've spent at least 10 minutes on the first <laughs> listener question but talk about Sam being a very very different person at the end of the episode, but even at the beginning of the episode, like literally one of the first things he says is I'm Captain America. And that must've, you know, was that quicker than you expected? Did you, you know, because I expected him to be, well, as we discussed last week, I didn't think it was going to be the Captain America suit. I just thought he was going to have a really kick-ass new Mm -hmm. pair of wings, which he does with a new red wing. Thank you very much, Mm -hmm. Shuri. Um, But he is, once he has the suit, once he crashes through that window, cut the check, <laughs> he says, I'm Captain America. Were you surprised that he had taken the mantle that early in the episode? And he was like, no, I am Captain America now. I have fully embraced who I am going to be. I feel like that was yeah. last week's story. Yeah. So that's what all, all that stuff was about with the tree and the jumping around. And that was about him becoming, I'm ready now. Mostly when he sort of you know had that big moment, I was just cheering and whooping and going, hell yeah. Yes, you are. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was my question. Do you think, would, would you have preferred that moment to have come out of nowhere? Because we see him outside the window first with throwing the shield. And I just, you know, this is, you know, that's, that's, we shouldn't, part of these things shouldn't be, you know, directing the show after the fact. But, you know, we hear his voice before we see him at very end game, obviously. Um, then he throws a shield at the dude, crashes through the window. Oh, do you think it would have worked better from a kind of holy shit spectacle point of view if we hadn't heard or seen him until the shield flew through the window, took the guy out, and then Falcon, what we think is Falcon, flies through the window, grabs the shield, stand up, holy fucking shit, Sam Wilson is Captain yeah. America. Where are my pants? <laughs> I don't but like I don't think I don't think that sort of moment was ruined by what happened. Like I feel like that moment totally it still worked, but it totally delivered yeah. that moment. But I, I, I like I like the way you laid it out, though. Yeah, do you like my? I'm going to get Tover Grace to cut it later <laughs> on. I, I no, I, I felt that a bit, Chris, in that I I really liked that moment when it happened, and I cheered and I wrote "fuck yeah" <laughs> in my notes in capital letters. America. <laughs> At the same time, though, I think they could have got away with a slightly cheesier. He flies in, the camera like swoops up. There's a like, a, there's a pause, there's a beat, and he goes, "I'm Captain America." I think they could have played that moment in a bigger way. It sort of happened. He was like through the shield, and he was like, "I'm Captain America," and it's like, "You are," but you could make a bigger deal about that, you know? <laughs> he's a he's a, he's a quite low key man in his own way. Not low key, that's, man. That's, oh, oh god, oh god. Getting ahead of ourselves there. A few weeks away, a few weeks away. Uh, Let's have another question, shall we? Because we have a lot of questions. At Tony Hayward asks, with this huge fight happening in New York, wouldn't Doctor Strange or Spider-Man get involved? Spider-Man's got his own problems. Yes. Doctor Strange better have his own problems because I'm still annoyed that he didn't turn up for WandaVision, which I predicted like. Look, they both have other (laughs) stuff to deal with. We don't know where in the universe they actually are right now. Uh, For all we know, this is taking place when Spider-Man is on his holiday. I know he's not. Actually, that timeline doesn't work out. But like, it could be he's on another school trip. We don't know. And like, Doctor Strange has uh, two other sanctums and at least a couple of universes to look after. And this is absolutely not Doctor Strange level shit. Yeah. He'd be like, no. sorry, what's happening here? Oh, some people with guns are taking over a building. Are they any any dragons? <laughs> any magicians? Anyone with a wand or a mystical object? No, thank you. In that case, I am going to pass and get a tuna sub. 
Hey folks, Chris here, just jumping in really, really quickly after the fact, while I'm editing the podcast, to say that if you're shouting at your podcast device of choice, what about Rody? He was in the first episode, after all, then you might be right. They could absolutely have called Rody as backup, and that might have worked. Anyway, back to the pod! I, I was looking into some timeliney stuff this week for work reasons, and it seemed like on <laughs> that's uh, how you relax, Ben. <laughs> kicking back, looking at the MCU timelines, how I how I get my kicks. Oh my god! But it seemed like the consensus is that Far From Home takes place like several months after Endgame. Yeah. Yes. And that this takes place before it. That this takes place before. Mysterio, which is confusing to me. I would say not, because they mm. specifically say there's at least six months between the blip and everyone returning and the events of the mm. show. And then there's another time jump, slightly, not five years, but at least five weeks. Takes a takes quite a while to get a statue commissioned. All right. <laughs> so so Sam has or maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't, maybe maybe that's a, a Wakandan statue and they've knocked it up in, in minutes. But it feels to me that there would be at least a couple of months between the the end of the episode, as in the end of the GRC thing and Carly Carkin and all that sort of stuff. And then Sam having the Smithsonian exhibit changed and the statue of Isaiah. I feel like that statue thing is the kind of thing that does just happen overnight in these shows. In a Marvel I think, movie. Yeah, I think you just have to kind of hand wave that one because I don't think anything else in that scene implies that it's mm. been months. There's so much more of that story they could tell. I'm really mm-hmm. hoping, whether it's in season two, whether it's in their own little miniseries, I want there to be more of a focus on Isaiah Bradley. We cannot have only 15 minutes of Carl Lumbly uh, on, uh, in the MCU when we know how great he is. We, there's so much more story to be told. I thought that we might have got to see a flashback mm. to mm. him because that, that moment in episode two where Bucky describes the fight they had in Korea, that sounded pretty damn yeah. cool. And I, I thought we would have seen that, not you know because obviously Bucky would have looked the same. But I wonder if maybe they, they might be looking at a nice Isaiah Bradley one-shot or an Isaiah Bradley limited series. I mean, it would be a bummer of an ending, but it might be interesting mm. to explore. Because, like, you know, I think this is definitely the last we've seen of that character, for, if, if for no other reason that Eli Bradley is his nephew and he goes on to become a hero in his own mm. right. And I think, you know, they wouldn't be including him if they didn't have plans for him in the future. Uh, so just on that level, I think we're going to return to both of those characters at some point. So is he... Does he have powers that are inherited in a way from Isaiah, or does he get his own powers from somewhere else? To the best of my knowledge, he does not have any powers, but I I need to sort of reread some some of those comics myself. That, I think, is my understanding too, because Isaiah in the comics, his wife was already pregnant before he was hit with the super soldier Mm -hmm. serum. Right. So there was no sort of passing down of the... And there's, there's no suggestion as well that you can pass on the properties of the Super Soldier Serum anyway. I mean, no, but they, they could have if they wanted mm. to go that way. I mean, they, they yeah. still could. They, they didn't, I think, make it clear in on the TV show that, you know, his wife wasn't pregnant or was already mm. pregnant. So, so they have that open to them if they wanted to go that way. But in the comics, no. That's fair. That is all fair. Um, I just looked it up. Uh, Carl Winston Lumbly, born August 14th, 1951. He is 69. Born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Went to South High School and McAllister College. Uh, he's 69 years old. 
And I wondered if he was wearing some sort of suit in the end, because if not, that dude is fucking jacked for a 69 year old. Mm-hmm. That, you know, and I'm sure they did. Do you think they augmented him a little bit? He's just that stat. He is a, yeah, he's a yeah. pretty tall, broad shouldered dude, you know. I like that they casually had him uh, when he was gardening, like lifting up a tree that for anyone else <laughs> they would never be able to. Yeah. And, and they didn't make a big deal of it, but I like yeah. that. Like, he's just, he still has that super strength and it's just yeah. part of his everyday life. <laughs> I noticed that too. I noticed that That's too. That's really good. Uh, okay, here's a here's a question. This is actually the first question that came in about the show. Christ, <laughs> at Fal, um, so we've got quite a way to go. At Fal Shopaholic, I had no sooner had I finished the episode than Fal Shopaholic slid into my DMs. So thank goodness I had finished the episode because it came up on my phone as a notification. And she says, after all the speculation, did it feel a little bit disappointing when Sharon was finally revealed? as the power broker. What I'm finding with these MCU shows is that the simplest, most obvious explanation is the right one. Because we had all this sort of similar speculation about WandaVision in terms of who would be what and uh, sort of how that would play out. And in the end, it turned out to be the simplest explanation is that everyone dealt all of us. Agatha all <laughs> exactly. along. Um, so it didn't surprise me all that much when it turned out to be Sharon. The things which are surprised me when it comes to Sharon is that is that talk of people thinking that she's a scroll, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I was going to bring this up. I could see it, but on the one on the one hand, like okay, that could be interesting. On the other, I'm like. I kind of want this to be Sharon because if this is a scroll, then that means that boring Sharon is still out there. <laughs> also, also, you then have a scroll shapeshifter using a shapeshifting disguise Mission Impossible mask, and it's just that's yeah. just too much yeah. on top of each other. Also, uh-huh. her being the power broker makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Like, it's really stupid because, like, why then was she so involved? And in, like, why did she lead them to the scientist who fucking worked for her to begin with? Mm. It's just like, I mean, perhaps she has some yeah. master plan that I don't understand, or. Perhaps Perhaps it just doesn't make any sense. Mm. She was hoping he would get killed, so therefore he wouldn't produce any more of the serum that would give her a private <laughs> army. But, you know, they weren't going to kill him. Yeah, but why Why take them to him in her own secret shipping container special lab thing? Like It's just like, no. I have all sorts of thoughts about this. Um, I, I, I can see kind of, if this is true, and it is Sharon, not a scroll. And I actually think a scroll might make a little bit more sense, quite frankly, <laughs> than developing this character along Lee's lines. And I also think, Jimbo, in response to your question, it's perfect. Isn't it perfect if she is a scroll and she opens this episode with a different face on? <laughs> That's like kind of like hiding in plain sight times two to the power of ten, if you will. But I, I, I just have I just have issues with this. I can see what they're going for in terms of this is all stemmed for her from a very, very seemingly insignificant decision in Civil War that was, you know, something that Steve almost tossed off. Apologies for my oh, language. Sorry, Steve has never been tossed off. We all know that. But, you know, he just goes, look, can you, can you get my shield back and Sam's wings? And then for that small act of uh, rebellion, she ruins her life and, and tortures her life and hmm. then become but and you know there's this theme obviously running through civil war of of consequence and catastrophe and maybe this is one of the biggest examples of that so this very very small act in civil war that you, you pay no mind to you don't really think about sharon again after she disappears becomes actually huge for the mcu because now you have her as some sort of evil double agent inside 
wherever she's inside doing whatever it is she's doing, even though she seems to be doing pretty damn well for herself Mm. outside the CIA. Mm. I think my issue with it all is not just that it doesn't really make sense, but like, so what? Like, the, the... the power broker thing, she had personal beef with Carly because Carly stole the super soldier serum. And yes, yeah, she's producing soldier serum, which is bad. But like in the grand scheme of things, like what does it matter that she is the power broker? Like that didn't really, I wasn't there going like, oh, this character that we really loved is now like evil because it, other than just seeming like generically evil and vaguely mixed up in some bad things and like selling art i don't know it just it it, it had no resonance for what that reveal meant it was just like oh okay like she's a crime lord i think in that sense it works pretty well actually because you've taken a very bland character and given her uh a little bit of color and interest and she's not necessarily evil. And the one reason she might have actually cooperated with them is that she doesn't necessarily see herself as being in conflict with them. She, If she is now just in it for herself and in it to get rich and in it to wield power and ensure that she will no longer be you know, subject to the whims and changing political fortunes of other people, like her actions don't not make sense as much, I feel like. She's still getting power. She now She finishes the show with, okay, as she says, no super soldier serum, but she does have access to government secrets, untested weaponry, you know, stuff that's been shoved in a vault and forgotten about that she can, you know, liberate from that vault. She's in a pretty good position and she has now got her name cleared. She's free to move around the world. She gets a CIA badge to help her out, probably a certain amount of independence and lack of oversight um, because of her position and because she's been through the mill, you know, and she's still super duper rich. She's a disgrace to the Carter name. Carter, that's my name. She is, but she's not necessarily full-on evil so much as opportunistic. Do you know what? I'm thinking she should get her own show and it should be called Get Carter. (laughs) Oh, yes. How about US Agent Carter? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. We may get to that in time. Uh, At Dean BMMV. Do we reckon that Carter's, uh, see, he he doesn't like what's happened to Sharon so much, he's just simply referring to her by her surname. <laughs> Do we reckon that Carter's poison bomb may have been courtesy of Pfeiffer, a known Madripoor citizen and a mutant, especially given her line about Mercury Pfeiffer and other things? Can we just give it up on the mutants, guys? Just, just. They're coming, Helen. <laughs> they're coming. Yes, but they're not coming quick and they're Who not coming soon. Who do you think soon. built Isaiah Bradley? The sculptor. Known mutant. He can design statues in mere minutes, like the Cristiano Ronaldo one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anywho, like, look, it's it's absolutely possible that we will see characters that we know like that crop up. And of course, we have, have had characters who are canonically mutants already crop up in a number of guises in the MCU. It's possible. It. I just, like, calm down, guys. <laughs> uh, do we think uh, if she is a scroll, she might be using some sort of space wizardry? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Okay, let's go with that. If she's a Skrull, sorry, Skrulls are undercover, but why would a Skrull choose to be undercover as somebody who is both on the run from the US government and also, like, on the run for being a massive crime lord? Dude, she's super rich. She has the raft of the Medusa in her house. (laughs) But it doesn't make sense to me. None of it makes sense to me. I think the Skrull thing is something they could do, but it does not currently make sense to me on what we have been presented. Let me put it that way. That's not to say it won't turn out to be the case. I just don't think it will be 
elegant storytelling if it does. At Isabel Waro uh, asks, uh, who was the big bad of the show? At the end of the episode, it seemed like everyone was cool with Walker just showing up. I have mm. issues and then with Sam. That. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. well, maybe we'll get to those right now. And then Sam defended Carly's actions. Also, she died kind of easily for someone with Super Soldier Serum. Good point, mm-hmm. especially since she was shot at point blank range by Simo a couple of times, uh, a couple of episodes ago, and just shrugged it off. She was wearing a vest in that one. Mm. So, was Sharon supposed to be the bad guy in the end? Asks Isabel. Who was the bad guy? Was it Carly? Was it Walker? Was it Sharon? Was it Fal? Was it society, man? Yeah. It should have been Walker because, you know, you're talking about the best thing the show had going for was that core plot with Sam and accepting the shield and becoming Captain America. And the direct opposite to that is Walker. And they were building, building him up to be angry, unstable. And that was working, um, I think, very effectively. I think the, 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 the Sam stuff was working very well and the Walker stuff was working very well. And then he had this episode where with no sort of, you know, dialogue or anything to speak to it, yeah. they just have Sam and Bucky be cool with Walker's presence just being there and, you know, just like, okay, he's part, he's part of us. And the thing which really cemented it and the thing which really annoyed me is the same problem that I had with Zemo. They then have Bucky quipping with Walker after they take the flag smashers down. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. okay to have your bad guys be out and out bad guys. You don't need to mm-hmm. have them quipping with your titular heroes. They did the same thing with Zemo and it's annoying. Mm. Don't have the... And again, I, I know Bucky did say this, to be fair. It wasn't just a quip. It was slightly swatting at, at Walker. I get that. But at the same time, don't have your bad guy quote Lincoln. Ugh. Fuck off with that yeah. shit. I just, I, it's the same, you know, my whole perennial thing about it. don't give your bad guys too good motivations. Also, don't have your bad guys quote Fucking Lincoln. Andrew or Abe? Let's say either. I don't okay. think they should quote Andrew Lincoln either. That's right. I'm putting my phone When he appeared outside Bucky's flat, when you to me are perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was too much. Hang on, hang on. Adding that to my animation. Anyway. Um, Cannot wait. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, my, my, my bigger issue, I think, with Walker was, again, that it's just not been properly established. So you have him, you know, welding his Medal of Honor or one of them to the inside of his shield where he can see it. And you have him looking at that in a key moment in a fight and coming to some kind of conclusion that we have no fucking clue about because we're not privy to what he is actually doing because they haven't established the character through line well enough. You know, you have that line from Carly about his friend not mattering, which is horrific. And would be you would understand if that sets him off, frankly, a little bit. Mm. But it's very quickly followed by his heel face turn, where he actually decides, you know what, my job is actually to to help people here and not just to stir shit up. So, and, and that that would be a yeah. good redemptive moment because it doesn't go too far. He still kind of can be a dick and still try and save that van full of people, but. It's not established. His his mindset is not clear. It has not been properly built. And I think the people around him aren't reacting to him in a way that they mm-hmm. have all seen the video footage of him brutally ago. murdering yeah. somebody oh, yeah. with a shield. And nobody is there going like, oh my God, that's that's the guy. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Senator Beardy McBeardface, who basically just stripped him of his title, 
is standing 10 feet away from him and he's mm-hmm. still wearing the Captain America costume that he was basically forbidden from wearing ever again and he's just he's got his little homemade shield <laughs> I love just, that that thing was just a piece of shit it just got dented straight but, away I mean, and look it's, it's a good it's a good moment that he he actively puts that down in order to help yeah. people I yeah. get that bit but everything around it like is not properly it's not good storytelling but he shouldn't have had that big hero moment the big hero moment of saving I thought they were I thought they were set in a bucky for doing something like he would catch mm. the 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 fan as it fell and he would show and, strength and they gave never... that moment to Sam so that's great they give that yeah they give the moment to Walker and then they give the moment to Sam and Bucky's just like I think I'm in the show as Bucky, well I'm Bucky did have a moment sure. Bucky did have a moment where mm-hmm. he where he saved them from the track and the, the one of the people who says like says thank you and so it takes a yeah. beat and I I like that yeah but yeah but Walker Walker is so volatile as a character and it feels to me that they've really tried to accelerate his almost fast track his progression as a character because they want to have the you know it's a name that they came up with in the 80s it's it's laughable uh US agent they want to have him in the MCU as some sort of asset and I I get that to an extent and I think one of the, one of the problems for me with Walker is that Wyatt Russell has been so mm-hmm. good that he there's something inherently likable about him as anyone who's seen Table 19 or pretty much anything he's been in will know even when or out or um Overlord he's great in Overlord have you ever seen Overlord oh, fucking great really go and check it out yeah. Um, you know, he's got his dad's charisma. There's no question about it. And and his mum's. And his mum's, yeah. But he's got his, you know, Goldie, I think, has maybe less of the raw action hero charisma and more of the light comedy charisma. Oh, my God. I am telling Private Benjamin you said <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll see more of that in Get Carter when he's going to team up with Sharon and they're going to have a sort of rom-com, like Bird in a Wire type rom-com. Oh, my God. Guys, Feige, pick up the fucking phone. Honestly, we're just sitting here giving you gold for the love of Christ. Anyway, he's been so good that it almost feels to me that they've decided to kind of rehabilitate him more and more quickly than perhaps they had planned to. And I also want to talk about that, the idea of rehabilitation, the idea of characters not answering for their quote-unquote crimes. And for not even a quote-unquote with him, he's literally killed a dude mm-hmm. in full view of the world. Wanda doesn't get punished by the for what she does to the people of Westview at the end of WandaVision because she's a good person in the comic books, I guess. Uh, and Walker here doesn't get really punished for again, killing a dude in full view of the world. What do you guys think about these, that? These TV shows are making a better case for the Sokovia Accords than the movies did. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. And actually, if by, by the way, if we're looking for a bad guy in this show, it might be Senator McBeardy Face, to be honest. If we can find out his name, and I know it's in the credits, but I don't want to look. You know what I want to do? I want the show to tell me what his name is, and also Walker's <laughs> wife. I still don't know. But, uh, but Amon, you were going to say something about Walker. What I did like about the reveal of US Agent is that with Walker's Captain America costume, it never quite fit him right. And I think that was intentional to a degree. And the mm. US agent costume fits him like a glove. And it's also all black, whereas the Sam's capsuit has more white in it than any prior yeah. capsuit. And I, I like sort of the, the juxtaposition of those two things. But yeah, no, you, you're right about the Sokovia Accords. And with Walker just where they leave the character... There should be no ambiguity about where his head is at and where his mind is at. But what they do with him in the final episode, it gives us that. And I don't like the way they went with that. Um, I think mm. for some characters, ambig- ambiguity works. For what the character has done earlier in the season, to have him sort of 
end the way he does, I think it, it didn't quite work for me. Yeah, I, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there are characters where ambiguity is good and characters where it's bad. And his whole worldview is this very black and white worldview, right? So he should be quite hard line in his opinions about pretty much everything. And we've never really had that. We've never really had, I mean, US agent in the comics has sometimes been a good guy, has sometimes done the right thing, has sometimes acted in a way to back up Sam mm. briefly, admittedly. There was that time where he was ordered to take the shield off Sam and refused, you know, for example, and, and, and then got talked into it by some very manipulative people. But he did refuse in the first place. He wasn't always like gunning for personal, re- personal vengeance or personal power or anything else. He had some kind of code of ethics. And I feel like that would be a more powerful statement if you had this guy who's the kind of, you know, the the quintessential right-wing military dude. I think that would work better. And I think it would make the political point of the show better as well. So I just I just don't think he was well-drawn. And I think it's really frustrating because it is a good performance within the parameters of a not well-drawn character. Because to me, the difference between uh, Sam and Walker before this episode was that Walker was a Captain America who did what the people, who did what the government told him to do, a, a good soldier, that version of Captain America. And the version of Captain America that Sam and Steve was, was, you know, doing a what's right, being a good man, regardless of mm. the government or anybody else. That's a clear distinction and I, you know, that, that works. And, you know, it's not ambiguous at all. It's very clear why one now has the shield and one does not. But that's why in earlier episodes when I was complaining that he doesn't have any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of sense of oversight or people giving him orders, that's a problem because it it goes to exactly to what you're saying. Like, there's no sense mm. of him being under somebody's orders and being a good soldier, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do with him uh, and, and where they put him. Do we see him on the big screen? Do we see him in his own thing is her US agent show. I mean, I, I think as well, that's the thing. As an audience member, I'm still like, no, this guy's a prick and he like yeah. murdered somebody. That's still my lasting impression. I think that moment was so strong in the show. They did an incredible mm. job at that moment. But I don't feel like um, I have any redemption for him yet. Like if they bring him back, it would be either as like, even despite what he does in this final episode, it, it wouldn't even be as an anti-hero. I still think of him as an antagonist of a dude who went off the deep end. So it's mm. interesting that they've left him on the table and I don't know how they're going to deploy him in a way where you don't just view him still as a villain. He was he was literally foaming at the mouth insane an episode ago, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you know, a little bit of therapy in the garage, and he seems to be okay. He's hammered it out. It's hammer time. <laughs> I would say he should go to Wakanda and sort his head out, but they I, definitely wouldn't no, let him in. <laughs> no, we don't play that. Nope, he's not allowed. <laughs> Amon once again using the royal wing when it comes to Wakanda. <laughs> I love that. Well, surely, but hang on a second. What about Wakanda tourism? Just because you've opened up your borders doesn't mean you're necessarily like pushing tourists. Not yet. All right. All right. Okay. I think you know. You know. Hopefully, we're going to see uh, this in the Wakanda series in Black Panther two or whatever. But Wakanda as a whole, right now, I think their attitude and this is how they are in the comics is trust but verify, and that mm-hmm. you know we. We've opened it up, you know, we now know that we exist. 
You can build your Starbucks. You can build a Starbucks. You can you know, come and visit, maybe. But, you know, we will have eyes and we will be checking that you're not sort of you know, trying to steal our secrets and whatnot. And we will have fail safes like, you know, the Bucky in the arm and all, all the rest of it, which is exactly how they should act because, you know, given the history of not just the real world, but um, the MCU world, which mirrors the real world in a big way, there is no reason why Wakanda uh, should be so, you know, 100% entirely trusting of the outside mm-hmm. world right off the bat. Also, they do have an invisible city, which which might uh, you know be a hindrance to tourism. I don't know. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is your pilot speaking. We've started our descent into the Wakandan capital. Holy shit! It's not there. Oh god, we're all going to die. Oh no, oh, we're through. We're through. We're good. Sorry. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Please put your your seats up and <laughs> prepare for landing. Uh, all right. Here's a question from Matt Smith. Oh my god. Lee Dr. Matt Hill. Smith? No, no, it's a different guy. Uh, yeah. At Night Nightlight Guy on Twitter. I'm confused by Captain America's wings, simply on the level of volume. Where is he putting them when they fold up? I'm on, as someone who has the hotline to Shuri <laughs> and the, the Wakandan Invention Council, explain away this one, please. I'm just one second, just text Shuri. Yeah. <laughs> just text Shuri. <laughs> the answer is Shuri Tech. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. It's the same way that whenever, you know, Tony would, the, the, the mask would disappear from Tony or from Peter when he's in his Spider-Man costume, you go, where does it go? Or T'Challa, you know, where does it go? At David Yang asks, uh, David Y4NG asks, do you think Sharon turned evil because she figured out that she kissed her uncle? <laughs> <laughs> that, that would mess you up, man. Would. You would need some therapy. Uh, everybody in this needs therapy, including Sharon Carter. Um, and, and I would say even still Bucky, like I know, I know he tried to close that door, mm. but I don't think it would be a bad thing for him still to be maybe seeing somebody and talking mm. about his feelings once a week. As long as that person is Sam, I'm okay with that. Mm. It looks like he's going to be speaking with Sam, but like, you know, Sam got through to him when his therapist couldn't. I think yeah. Sam yeah. is Bucky's best therapist. Yeah. Friendship. Yeah. Friendship is magic, as the My Little Ponies taught us all. Um, yes. And uh, the real Falcon and the Winter Soldier were the friends we made along the way. <laughs> but I think I think Amon's exactly right. I think as long as those two are actually communicating in their sort of roundabout, you know, manly way. I mean, you know me. I've watched 15 seasons of Supernatural, so strong men trying not to talk about their feelings but actually doing so anyway is like my favourite thing in the world. And I think these two are really good at that. Hell's Bells, what was the nipple count like in this show? Because there were six episodes, there was 15, 15 seasons of Supernatural, right? And yeah. there's 40 episodes per season. Uh, and there's approximately 40. 17 nipples per episode. So that's... No, again, no. no. Okay, oh, something yeah. like that. Anyway, but, you know, there was there was a d- decent nipple count, I would say. Um, both both Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie flung their tops off with wild abandon once. Once each, <laughs> yes. Which is, you know, again, more than Sam or Dean did for the last eight seasons of the show I'm just saying mm, well, but you know. we'll see we'll see about okay. that the, the thing I have about Sharon right yeah. it's not that she should be going mad because she found out she kissed her uncle it's that I think it reflects badly on Steve I think mm. Steve's interest her in her he he nearly lost his virginity to her he oh, nearly Lord. gave her his special flower oh, and that God. would have been a very very bad choice oh no please one- stop bad thing in Civil War, which is still to this day my favourite MCU movie, but that's like the one the one thing I don't like about it. <laughs> uh, Helen, you may want to hide your ears. James, you may want to prick your ears up. Here's <laughs> oh, a question Christ. from at A underscore Albazurs. So, Thanos was right after all? 
Seems like humanity was at a better place during the blip, so the Avengers are the real villains? They brought back billions of people to a world of limited resources without a thought spared for the damage they would cause. Jimbo, I've finally found your burner account. Is it at Dame's Jaya? It's just just a bald man with a stick-on moustache in the Avatar. Jimbo, how do you how do you respond the, to this? The Slag Smashers' real agenda was to bring Wales back to the Hudson. That was their whole end game. Wales or back Wales, to the Hudson, or Wales back to the UN, like in Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell, get carted, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Jimbo. So Thanos was right. Oh, You've been vindicated after yeah. all this time. Yeah, I mean, we, we've established this a long time ago. So yeah, you know, <laughs> radical environmentalist that he is. <laughs> we broke him, Alan. I hate it so much. Oh I hate it. I hate uh, it with passion. Uh, our next question is actually from a Welshman. Ah, he's probably at the UN right now. He probably is. I, I can tell he's Welsh because he has the Welsh flag in his uh, in his Twitter profile at uh, Ian T James, and he asks, "Does anyone find it weird that Seymour's butler used his butler gloves whilst blowing up the super soldiers?" <laughs> no, what a bit that seems there. entirely sensible. As if Mr. Carson would take off his gloves. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've uh, got to have the gloves on so you, so you don't leave a, so you don't leave fingerprints, and b to on the silverware to avoid any gunshot residue, or gunpowder residue on your on your hands. I'm not sure that's how remote controls work, Helen. Well, maybe <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they don't generally explode when you press them. But you've got to hope not. Yeah. What do we make of Simo uh, killing? I, I, that took me by surprise. I'll be honest. I, I mm. thought he was done and dusted, and uh, and I thought you know hunky Australian man Dovich was going to be being set up for something. There's going to be a big rescue sequence, and one world, one people, you know, one love, one loaf, one mother's pride, or whatever the blue song is. Um, <laughs> and then no, he's dead. He's been blowing up. R.I.P. Cheekbones McSwishy hair. I'm <laughs> yeah. Bereft. yeah. His cheekbone flying past the camera. Oh, oh no, too soon, too soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it did take me by surprise. Um, and I, I thought that was that was clever storytelling. I, I like that. It was a way to remind you that Zemo existed without actually, you know, taking up a lot of time. And I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. And the dedication of his household staff is commendable. <laughs> I respect the hustle for sure. Uh, do you think Alfred would do that for, for Bruce? Among- 100%. No, no, he would not. Mr. Carlson would absolutely do it for Lord Grantham. <laughs> oh, I failed God. you. I failed you. I did not help you kill those people. Uh, uh, no. Batman does I mean, not kill think about Christopher. It. Batman's one rule's a bit stupid, isn't it? It's no, no. a bit silly. Batman don't, don't has a rule. Alfred canonically does not oh, have a rule. Alfred rural. kills motherfuckers yeah. left, right, yeah. and centre and gives zero Alfred, fucks. Alfred will canon. straight up murder you. Uh, if it, <laughs> He's if like it Dexter. was Alfred of his own will, maybe, but not on the... Will of no, Batman. not no, not not if Bruce is looking. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Well, he does it on his own time. He just doesn't do it during work hours. <laughs> We're really upsetting Amon now. I Hang just on. love mentioning. I just love mentioning Batman killing people and watching uh, Amon just go. Mm-hmm. Yes. What? <laughs> At Sunny Lumley asks when Killy Carly tells Sam to stay down. How many of us said out loud, "I could do this all day," and they were both happy and disappointed that he didn't say it. Yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. I guess I don't think Steve has canonically said that in front of him, so it makes sense that he wouldn't say that. So I, I kind of, in retrospect, was glad that he didn't, but I, I was thinking it 100%. Mm. Killy Carly, who goes full Hans Gruber in this, has to kill the hostages. She's going to be sitting on a beach earning 20%, Blow except she doesn't because she gets killed. Blow the roof. Blow the roof. Mm-hmm. 
Do you know what I was thinking about her this week that I haven't really thought before? I think what one of the things that's maybe missing is that her followers, both online and offline, you know, cheekbones and, and all the rest in real life, they clearly ascribe her an enormous amount of a moral authority, right? They they clearly see her as their moral, ethical leader in all of this. And they are willing to go where she says in terms of how far she says they should go to to win this battle and 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 you know do what needs to be done in her words. So I feel like we needed maybe a little bit more on her backstory because the thing that would make sense maybe to me from a storytelling perspective to give her that authority is if she's basically struggled and suffered more than anybody else. And if she is the one who can best speak to the suffering that people have endured, which is why, you know, they kind of almost blindly go along with her when she clearly goes past her own and their own ethical limits. And that's never really been something that was made clear, I felt. Maybe this speaks to what I was saying earlier about setting up important stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. It's a really, really interesting concept in terms of, you know, half the world vanished, the world changed completely. Then all these years later, people come back. What's the difference? You got to show us that. You can't just you yeah. know, hand wave that away with a couple of lines like they did. And if they actually showed us that and really zeroed in on Carly while they're doing that, I think that'll help yes. mitigate a lot of what you're saying right now. This is it. We we need to see, and I don't mean this in, in a sort of grotesque way, but we do need to see kind of tent cities, refugees, displaced people. We need to see that, you know, we've had what, one shot of a, of a sort of, you know, a school slash hospital for displaced people, but we have no sense that there is an enormous number of people suffering. That has not been made clear. There are, there are no, there's no kind of set dressing or window mm. dressing to establish that at any point. And something like that would massively help establish why Carly does what she does, first of all, but also why they then follow yeah. her. I think um, that that moment in WandaVision when uh, Monica blips back in did more than this entire Mm. show to kind of get across the confusion, the chaos, the terror that this heroic thing would have actually unleashed for a lot of people. And I was really excited in the wake of that, hearing them talk about how much this was set in the post-blip world and dealing with the fallout of that, of how do you reframe something that ultimately, yeah, it is still a heroic victory, what they managed to do in Endgame, but it's no way near as easy as that for a lot of people. And on a personal scale, and then on a complete global societal scale, the the absolute carnage of it all, I was really ready for them to, to delve into that. And it was just another element of this whole Flag Smashers thing that just felt like it didn't connect to anything else, you know? I mean, we talked about it in last week's show. We talked about the the rumor going around uh, that the show had to massively recalibrate because of uh, a potential virus storyline that that someone felt they should cut out. We didn't actually talk about on last week's show whether they should have reacted that way. So let's say, for example, that the virus storyline does exist, and clearly, what's happened is that someone at a high level has gone, we can't do that because I don't know if you've noticed, guys, we're in the middle of a real pandemic and it might seem in poor taste. I just kind of wonder if they should have maybe just stayed the course and just mm. gone, look, we were, we were writing and prepping and shooting this before the pandemic and any coincidences to incidences of, or people living or dead is entirely coincidental and it's a very, very different thing. It's a different time. It's 2023, not 2021. <laughs> Two years difference, I know, we but hope, yeah. maybe they should have just stayed the course with that. But we don't know yet what impact it had on the show's storytelling. And there are, there are 
perhaps less than elegant passages. I said last week, the flag smashes every time Carly appeared. It's like the air going out of a balloon. I still feel that uh, a, a little bit, even in this episode. I still, her motivation seemed to change almost from scene to scene. What, you know, mm. is she a bad guy or not a bad guy? Is she flawed or not? It had to make his mind up. But I think what it needed to do from the off was just lay out what the world was, the rules of the world, what had happened post-blip. Loads of people had come back. They were displaced. This episode actually goes a little bit... This episode gets a little bit closer to nailing it when Beardy McBeardface is having mm. a chat with Sam. And I want to finish this before we talk about wider stuff. I want to finish this by talking about Sam at the end and his decision to step up in his speech. But Beardy McBeardface says, oh, what was it like? You know, imagine all these people who have blipped back uh, into existence and found someone else living in their house. What are you going to say to to those people? That needed to be set up in episode one. Mm. Mm. Who are the flag smashers? What are they, what's the GRC? What do they want? What are they trying to impose? And we, we were getting it in fits and starts and little bits and pieces here and there. And it was just still very, very hard to, to know exactly what they wanted. And we're being told it in tiny lines here and there, yeah. where like some visuals, like I say, of the refugee camps, of the crowding, of the displacement would go so far to help it, you know, and, and none of that is really on screen. I mean, there's a news report, I think, in episode one. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. And there needs to be mm. way more. Start the show with Carly at the end of the five years of them kind of this nice life that they have that they've managed to cultivate for themselves during those five years against all the odds and then suddenly everyone blipping back into place and them being torn apart or whatever give it show us something like that like start the show there i think that could have been an amazing way in like Mm -hmm. the 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 power of that um scene with monica in wandavision was that it, it felt so distinct to everything else that we'd seen. We'd been in that bubble of Westview for so long and suddenly being in that hospital and in somebody else's perspective and in the thick of it all was mm. so effective. I think they could have done so much more with that here, especially as a show that dealt a lot more supposedly directly with the blip itself. The mm. blip should be something that each of these shows returns to in their own way with a, with a different perspective and then see how that informs the rest of the show. I think this yeah. this is a really good opportunity to do that in a big way. Like with, with Monica, we got it in a very specific, you know, related to, related to her story and related to what was happening in the hospital. With this show, you could have done it on a really, on a much wider level. Um, I think that would have been really interesting to see, but the show just doesn't mm-hmm. go there, unfortunately. Because let's not forget, of course, Sam and Bucky have blipped themselves. Mm-hmm. So what mm-hmm. does it mean for them? What does it mean for their lives? You know, who was who's in Sam's apartment now? Who's uh, who's in wherever Bucky was living before shit went down? You know, Bucky was hanging out in Wakanda. He was he was cool as little. This is very very true. Yeah, yeah. He was in a fridge in Wakanda. So yeah, Bucky doesn't have him. He was like, I'm a hundred years old. I was a brainwashed killer. I'd take anything yeah. over that. He's going to come back to find some tomatoes and some lettuce in the fridge, and he's going, no. He had his uh, little hut after he got deep he brainwashed. Did. He did. Uh, yeah. After after he moved out of the smeg into a lovely lovely hut. <laughs> what are you trying um, to wanna... say about Wakanda, Christopher? I'm not trying to say anything about Wakanda. Okay. They put them in a fridge. They don't use smegs. They have their own line. Smegs are the best fridges, aren't they? I mean, come on, Wakanda has definitely has better fridges. I, I would love a smeg. <laughs> anyway, I want to finish talking about the the episode specifically by talking about Sam and. And his speech at the end and uh, the way he steps up, the way he takes control of the situation in a way that is very Steve Rogers, 
but is also very Sam Wilson. So he's yes. very much his own man, plowing his own furrow, saying his own, you know, this is a really wanky sentence, I realize, but speaking his own truth. And uh, I really liked, I, again, I think there's slightly, there's a slight inelegance to the writing a little bit, but Mackie really, really mm. sells it. Mm-hmm. And the staging as well, in terms of, you know, it's oh, it becomes an accidental broadcast to the world. But I love the way he goes in there, he takes charge, and he addresses something we've been talking in this in this show. We talked last week, someone said that, you know, the Flag Smashers seem to be the only people, they're the bad guys, addressing the situation, whereas Sam and Buck are kind of standing by going, nothing to do with us, but not now. Sam takes charge. What did we make of that? I really loved it. Um, it was a really really great moment. I would say that Sam in particular has spoken to what the Flag Smashers have been speaking to all series long when he, when he's in that, uh, to the truck ride with, uh, Lamar, uh, Walker and Bucky, he speaks mm-hmm. to it. Then when he has that mm-hmm. first conversation with Carly, um, when they're trying to sort of, you know, take her down, uh, and then sort of Walker enters and messes up everything, he sort of speaks to it then as well. So mm-hmm. it was a continuation of that in a really good way. But yeah, it was just good. I felt a lot of pride in that moment of uh, seeing Sam really come into his own in that moment. And it was really mm-hmm. great to see. I would say that that paired with the fact that he now has advanced trigonometry because he does that thing <laughs> where he throws the shield and it bounces up like three different people and he catches it. And like, you're not Captain America until you do that. Uh, <laughs> that was cool to see as well. Uh, but that speech was definitely probably the yep. best moment of the, of the, of the show. Or, or, best moment of the episode, sorry. I almost feel like the inelegant writing actually helped in that sense because it made it feel off the cuff. It made it feel unstudied. It made it feel from the heart. Um, in And that that's a good thing, you know. And... You know, the inspirational speeches like were such a part of Steve's mythos that, you know, you had that little mm. uh, joke about it in Endgame. So it, it sort yeah. of fits that it's almost a, a com- coming out moment. That's mm-hmm. the wrong word, but you know what I mean? For mm. for Sam in the same role, like he it's you're not really Captain America until you can <laughs> like, until you can give good speech. And it's not even a speech, it's kind of just like extemporaneous conversation yeah. that he's having. I just you know? wonder Love if it. he wrote it all down first or was it or was it off the top of his head? I'm just I'm just wondering. Just reading it off his hand, felt <laughs> it his hand. <laughs> it tracks nicely as well because obviously when we first meet him, he's somebody who's good with people, who talks mm-hmm. to people. Like that's what he does as a sort of PTSD therapist yeah. guy. Counselor, guy? yeah. Counselor. That's yeah, the word I was that looking is for. Official <laughs> so the fact that he kind of finishes that fight and then is like, we're going to talk and I'm going to, we're going to talk this out. Felt very, very Sam to me and very Cap in that obviously he is, he is Captain America, but he is talking to the Senator. He's talking to the American government and saying, you need to do this Mm. as Captain America. I'm saying you need to do this. And I love that power shift from obviously when it's Walker, it's the Senator and the government saying, you need to do this as Captain America. And the separation of of Sam and states, I don't know. Um, <laughs> felt like an important part of that of that speech. Mm. Yeah, because I think I think he's. It's exactly what what we've all I think been saying about the difference between Sam and Walker is that he's playing more America's conscience than America's avatar mm. of its, you know, idealized self. So he's he's he 
you know, Steve has on occasion, and he hasn't really done it with big government figures because that hasn't really been a thing that has come up, but he has said it to Tony in Civil War. He said it that Maria Hill bit in uh, Age of Ultron where she's saying, you know, they're terrorists and he kind of points out that they're exactly what he was and you're just looking at it from the wrong perspective. You mm-hmm. know, he has had those kind of moments where he has called out Americans for their failure to consider American ideals, but he hasn't done it in this way. And I thought, and this that made it feel consistent for Sam to do this, but also Sam's own thing mm-hmm. that is different from Steve. So I thought that was a really good blend of the of the two elements. Do you think uh, Scott Lang was watching this at home going, this guy, <laughs> this guy's really good. Yeah, go Captain America. I would love if we actually get to see that moment at some point. <laughs> what are Scott's thoughts on Sam's ass though? That's what we really need to know. <laughs> I have to say, I really like the moment. It's cheesy as hell, but the moment when Sam is kind of first in public as Captain America and the the two black guys are taking pictures of him and one goes, it's Black Falcon. And another one goes, no, it's Captain, it's Captain America. America. <laughs> so, so cheesy, but so in, cheesy. A really, in a really lovely, it has the same energy as, hey, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us <laughs> from the first Spider-Man movie. That's exactly, exactly what I thought of when that happened. <laughs> Another random one line, one line which I kind of loved is when Sam comes out of the water. He's like, boy, you just earned this ass weapon. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh dear, but my favourite moment in the episode was, was um, watching Torres watching TV because... <laughs> It was just nice that they remembered he existed. <laughs> and looking at that guy, like, oh, I thought I was going to get the wings. And Sam's like, no, I'm yeah. keeping the wings. Yeah. That's part of my Captain America thing. No, but you're like- going to be a mutant bird man. That's what you're going to be. I kind of wanted him to have the wings like spread out in front of him while he was watching, you know, be turning away from his work on the wings. But, you know, at least they remembered he existed. Absolutely. Anything else to say about the episode before I move on to just kind of framing the show in a, in a grander context in terms of the MCU and its... Perhaps it's overall quality, whether we felt that it, whether as a series, it, it worked. Anything else about the episode itself? Just that when Bucky, when after uh, Sam has given his sort of speech or spoken to everyone and Bucky says, nice job, Cap, that is officially mm. the moment that <laughs> Sam becomes Captain America. That is, that is the moment. He, I know he's already got the wings and he's got the shield and he's called himself Captain America, but that mm. approval from Bucky means everything. I wondered if at the end, when the title came up at the, at the at the end and it started saying Captain America, I, I didn't think it would be Captain America and the White Wolf. But for a second, I thought they might go for Captain America and Bucky mm. as the as the title for the for the episode. Mm. Because I, a, I don't think that Bucky wants that name anymore, but B, it would just be a lovely little nod. I mean, you know, it's a very different Captain America and Bucky dynamic than it would have been in the comics when they first started. Bucky's considerably older, for one thing. But... Yeah, that would that would have been a nice little nice little touch for me, but hey ho. So what about this what about the show itself? We I think we've you know, people who've listened to this would see that we've gone on a bit of a journey with this show and yeah, I yeah, I think pretty much we all unashamedly loved WandaVision. I think WandaVision is one of the best things the MCU's done in a while, and given that they've done some of my favorite movies of all time, that's, that's saying something. But WandaVision, I think, was terrific. This this has lurched wildly, I would say, in terms of quality from week to week. I think it started strong, faded in the middle, recovered last week with a really good episode. It still had flaws, but a really good episode. And I thought this episode was a bit anticlimactic for me. 
but what would you say about the show itself? Are you happy with it? Are you displeased? Disappointed, yeah. I think, is what I would go with. Like, I don't think it's a bad show by any stretch. And God knows I, I watch a lot worse TV <laughs> than this. But it feels to me like, you know, the initial reactions to the first episode were, mm, it's kind of three stars, but I'm sure it will get better. And it did, and then it got worse again, and then it got better, and then it got worse again. But I think ultimately, you know, after six episodes, we're right back where we began. It's kind of a three-star show. It's good. It's not great. It's definitely lower-tier Marvel. It's entirely inessential, I would say. Uh, I don't imagine I'll watch it again, but I'm glad it existed. I'm glad I watched it. There was a lot in here that I loved. But I think, you know, had this been the first MCU show to go out there, it wouldn't have necessarily augured well for their small screen experiment here. Uh, yet coming, you know, off the back of WandaVision, I think, you know, we've had an incredible classic show and then we've had one which is fine, like it's a bit average and then Loki looks like it'll be interesting. So, you know, this has not made me doubt Disney Plus's Marvel shows. But equally, I don't think, if we're talking Marvel TV shows, I would say Jessica Jones season one is better than this. I would say Daredevil season one is better than this. So, um, you know, good but not great. Yeah, right. I think in essential was a bit too strong for me. And uh, that there's some really big moments which I have been waiting a long time to see in this show, which I really, really enjoyed. But I remember the discourse when this show first started coming off the back of WandaVision. And now people said it was like, you know, a return to more of the MCU status quo. And I sort of half got that, but it sort of half frustrated me as well, because I think there's a lot about this show which is just as unique as WandaVision was, just in a very different way. You think about how uniquely positioned this show was to really speak to the times in terms mm-hmm. of being a black hero and mm-hmm. being, being a black captain in America in these times and what that means. That is, you know, <laughs> there's no other show that's really, you know, positioned the way this show is to really speak to that. And the best parts of this show were those parts where it really leaned into that and focused on that. Mm-hmm. It's just annoying to me that we've had to wait so long for it to really dig deep on that because yeah. that is where the heart of the show is. And all the all the other sort of stuff which didn't work um is what we is is why you know the show has been disappointing in many respects. Um I think if it if it had just refocused that and made and really zeroed in on that core idea earlier we'd be talking about this show in a much different way to what we're talking about it yeah. now which is like mm-hmm. I, I do think you know I, I still say overall um I'm more satisfied than frustrated but I I get a lot of what James is saying I mean for example look at last week I mean I think last week had the best scene of the series by far which was Sam talking to Isaiah yeah and that was you know you said when you were last in the show you were Worried, I think that the show wasn't going to have either the 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 balls, the courage, mm. the gumption to to take it to take on race head on, yeah. and that it was going to tiptoe around it a little bit and talk about it in almost in dispatches without really tackling it. And that scene between Isaiah and Sam did it, and even this week when Sam literally says to Senator Beardy McBeardface, he says, you know. I'm a black man wearing the white, the stars yeah. and stripes. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, yeah. And what don't I understand? Yeah. And if it had delivered more often along those lines, then perhaps we'd be talking about it in the same breath as one division. Because it doesn't really fully commit to that, and the the way you can tell is it never commits to showing the other side. It never really commits to showing Walker as 
you know, a racist person, for example. It never shows the the structure. I mean, I guess it hints that the structure is racist, but we don't see Senator Beardy going, it can't be Sam Wilson. We never see any hint that he has he has said that. We're just, you know, we're assuming it. We get it. We understand what America's like and what many other countries are like. But nobody says it. Nobody makes it clear. So there's nothing. It's, you're fighting against nothing with this. You, you, there's nobody presenting the other side. And ultimately, this is a superhero show. So it would be helpful if you had two sides to this so you could punch the racists in the face. And yeah. and, and the, the film doesn't want to, the show doesn't want to commit to that because it doesn't want to show any bad guys. You know, yeah. and I feel like that was a. I mean, I get that they're going maybe for more um, subtlety Nuance. than I'm yeah. than I'm crediting them with, but I think that might have helped. I think that a little 100%. bit more being a little bit more on the nose with this stuff would have allowed them to grapple with this stuff a bit better. And you know, even even a flashback to Isaiah's um, treatment treatment mm. in inverted commas that would have helped show actual complicity. Show actual wrongdoing beyond yeah. a couple of cops whose names we never know stopping them in the street you yeah. know that's it that's all we get really yeah. so i'm i'm frustrated with with that kind of thing as well and i think yes you're right this that should have been really the central issue of the show and they didn't have the gumption to go there um, but for me, I just felt it was, it's the usual thing. It's trying to do too much. Mm -hmm. it's, it felt like a, a Marvel show, like an Age of Ultron-y type thing. I know I'm on, I, I apologize. I love But a show that is trying to do heavy lifting for stuff in the future without focusing on being itself in the present right now and doing what it needs to do right now. But even Age of Ultron, which I love, I, I accept it has flaws, mm -hmm. but even Age of Ultron, if you look at that, there are 10 great moments. If you're yeah, putting together yeah. your 50 great MCU moments, right? A, a, quite a few of them might even be from Age of Ultron. There's obviously Vision with the Hammer. There's the party scene. There's you know pretty much anything Hulk does, uh, which is a riot. Uh, mm -hmm. you, if you were putting together 50 great MCU moments, Isaiah and Sam from this, from the last episode... Maybe Sam coming through the window, revealing himself as Captain America. And Walker with the bloody shield. Walker with the bloody shield. That, that is the well. image that I will walk away from the show with that. And obviously Sam wearing the suit. But mm -hmm. but Walker with the shield covered in somebody's blood is, is the thing that is going to stay with me, I think, more than anything else in this show. I mean, I think in terms of Marvel stuff, the thing that feels weird with this is that we're used to a level of consistency from Marvel that, like, don't get me wrong, I I still like Ant Man and the Wasp. It's and it's a good hey, solid hey. film, but it's just <laughs> not as it's it's not as good as some of the others. But in a kind of within it's, itself, it's less it brilliant. Even. It's less brilliant, but it's still even within itself. Whereas the thing that's kind of weird with this that never really happens with Marvel stuff is that from from scene to scene, or from moment to moment, or from episode to episode, it would kind of go up and down, and like bits yeah. of it are really working and bits of it aren't. And the stuff that is good is really good, but the stuff that is not good was very undercooked and like not mm. it's not satisfying. It's not satisfying to watch. And I feel like we rarely get that from Marvel. It's kind of weird to have a Marvel project like this where the the stuff that I like in it is great. Like the John Walker stuff, I think they did a really good job with it. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad that we got to spend six episodes getting Sam to this point. Like it feels like a story worth telling as much as uh, on the one hand, him being handed the shield in Endgame is like, yay, new Captain America. 
for them to say, okay, we need to spend time with this as a story that's worth telling of like why it's going to be difficult for this guy and the things that he's going to have to face and the journey that he's going to have to take within himself to be like, no, I, I should take the shield and I want to take the shield is a story worth telling. And I think in, in many places, they did a good job with that. It's just a shame that the other stuff around it didn't yeah. help the overall show sing mm-hmm. to that level. It's it's been tough. It's been it's been really interesting in a way watching this because we're we're all massive Marvel fans here. We're all massive fans of the MCU, and I know that there have been a lot of people who've been on board with our take on this, and there have been some people who've been slightly disappointed that we've been that we've been disappointed by the show. But we haven't held back in that. But I kind of feel that that maybe shows how much we are disappointed by the show. As I've said before, if you showed me a video of Kevin Feige kicking a dog out of the top window of an orphanage in front of a bunch of crying children, I would probably give it five stars. <laughs> oh my god. But it's a very bad dog, I have to say. <laughs> They're all good dogs, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I, I feel that this one, uh, James made a really good point. If this had been the first show, if this had been the first Disney Plus show, yeah. we would have been really, really very pessimistic about what was coming next but i um, think that's deliberate i think they shifted them around deliberately because of that i look i look and i i i don't want to be hard on the showrunners here because i do think they had a really difficult task because they have clearly completely retooled this mid midstream and had to completely you know rejig everything and I, i get that that must have been incredibly difficult and it's possible that we were originally looking at an incredibly tightly plotted elegantly told storyline but it's hard to believe that simply because the stuff that is missing is the cheap stuff the stuff that is missing is not mm. the big action scenes mm. or the you know the expensive you know bad guys motivation whatever the stuff that is missing is mo- for the most part just character beats that we want the stuff that is missing is those moments just between Sam and Bucky and they had you know Mackie and Stan on set they could have had those right i just yeah so, so yeah. I'm going to ask a big question here, uh, and we're going to wrap it up. Mm. So the big question for me is, as much as I love Sebastian Stan, and as much as I think Bucky was, was good in this show, do you think it would have been better served as just the Falcon? And uh, be a Sam solo show with maybe Bucky parachuting in for a couple of episodes? I No, I don't think... Why is that? I, th- I think the dynamic is great. Even if you're trying to tell Sam's story, I think Bucky being there only helps with that because he, you give him a, a nice foil and a sounding board, and and you know he has those key moments like apologizing for not thinking through what he and Steve were doing. Mm. Super good moment. I think if anything, the, the show needed more of them together having that conversation. That would have helped it enormously. Uh, even if it did Bucky a disservice, and even if his story still took a backseat, I think having more of him for Sam to talk to would have been helpful. But I am, you know, if you want, well, well, let's let's spitball for the future. Captain America film, Sam mm-hmm. leads that, Bucky only parachutes into that, not necessarily literally, although he was a paratrooper. Um, <laughs> but Bucky maybe continues on his own in TV, for example. Sure, whatever. But, I, you know, I, I, I think the basic idea of that dynamic is a really good one. What's, so what's next? What's next? Loki. I know we've talked about like the the fact that especially after one division it was like oh these series can be as big as and impressive as the films but i do want sam leading a captain america film yeah. i think the statement that that would be would feel amazing like that that is 100% what i want and i envision a lot of these shows as one and dones like i i'm not sitting here especially because it hasn't maybe been as great as we hoped it would be I'm not sitting here going i want captain america and the winter soldier season 2 you know i i want 
a Sam Cap film and take Bucky somewhere else or bring him in as part of that Cap film or team him up with somebody else. The thing that I love in the MCU is when they take supporting characters and parachute them into films that you wouldn't expect them to be in. Um, so I think find something really weird for, for Sam to do. Team him up with, I don't know, the Guardians or take him into <laughs> Thor or something mad like that. But yes, give Sam a film. I agree with give Sam a film. I will also say that at some point, the Avengers are going to come back. And when, mm-hmm. they, when that happens, they're going to need a leader. Yeah. Sam Wilson would be a good leader. Um, yep. And I would love to see that character take the step. Um, before Chadwick, Chadwick Boseman passed, I was actually predicting that Black Panther would mm. become uh, sort of more involved with, not necessarily the Avengers, but just more, more of the Western world and the heroism and that. So, yeah, in the absence of him, uh, I think Sam would be a great a great shout for leadership and, and that sort of role. I wonder if we get Sam and Doctor Strange as a sort of analogue for the, you have an American asshole who's arrogant <laughs> but knows his shit and has a lot going on powers-wise, and then you have the sort of depowered guy but who has a lot of sense and smarts <laughs> and a sort of moral compass <laughs> maybe in the way that the other one uh, has a different moral yeah. outlook. That, yeah. that that always kind of made sense to me, that those two would be kind of key going forward uh, in the same way that Steve and Tony were. Hey, it's Chris again, just jumping in because you'll know by now that it was leaked, not announced, not confirmed on Friday night, that there is going to be a Sam Wilson-led Captain America 4. It is in development at Marvel and it is going to be written by Malcolm Spellman and Daylon Musson. Now, we were unable to reconvene the pod team for this episode, editing today on Monday. Uh, So we are not going to discuss it in this episode. We'll discuss it in the next episode of the regular podcast. But Amon sent along an audio clip, a quick audio clip, talking about his reaction to the rumors. Yeah, I'm very excited about uh, Captain America 4. Um, Very excited to see the next stage in Sam's journey. One of the things which... Uh, I thought was good about the fact in the Winter Soldier, the final episode, is that they have sort of said um, that just because he's a black cap now doesn't mean that all of the problems are done with. Just as when Obama became president doesn't mean that all the racism went away. And in fact, in fact, it should only intensify. Um, and when it comes to Captain America 4 or the Falcon, the Winter Soldier season two, whenever we next see Sam Wilson, I want to see that and I want Sam to see that and I want Sam to grapple with all of that and see how that informs his, psych- informs his psyche as uh, uh, Captain America going forward. I think that's very interesting storytelling to get into and uh, yeah, hopefully they go sort of fully into it and examine that in a meaningful way. So that was Amon. Thank you very much indeed for the prompt voice note. No James, no Helen, no Ben today. Just me on my own. So what are my thoughts on a potential Cap 4 written by Malcolm Spellman and Dalen Musson? Well, uh, regular listeners to this podcast will know that I have been somewhat mixed on The Falcon and The Winter Soldier. However, I am excited about the prospect of Sam Wilson having his own movie. I'm excited about the prospect of Malcolm Spellman, who having interviewed him is a very very smart and sharp dude and he knows what he wants and he's very very interested clearly in exploring what it means to be a black man being captain america in america right now at a moment when it is absolutely being torn apart 
So that's could be very, very rich, very, very fertile ground indeed. Uh, I'm excited to see Anthony Mackie carry one of these movies. I'm excited to see a potential cameo for Chris Evans as Steve Rogers. I would not be surprised if that happens. I'd be interested to see if they can work Bucky into it somehow. I would hope it's not just simply a continuation of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I would hope it's playing out on a bigger canvas, a more epic canvas for sure. And the thing that really excites me is Dalen Musson, who wrote the fifth episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the best episode, in my opinion, the episode with that wonderful confrontation between Sam and Isaiah Bradley. So without the distraction of having to retool possibly the show because of COVID-19 and with a sharper, clearer focus and a bigger, bigger budget, then perhaps this could be something really worth keeping an eye on. So cautiously optimistic. And now back to the regular pod. Uh, okay, so now we've 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 covered the future. We mm-hmm. have covered the future. I would love to see a Captain America, Sam Captain America movie. And who knows, maybe it will, it will finally, finally answer the question, solve the mystery of what exactly has happened to Steve Rogers in that show. He's in on that the film. moon. He's on the moon. <laughs> He's on the moon. What, dead? Would they just threw him up there and left him to fend for himself? Is that what Kevin Feige meant when he told me that this show would, in a way, deal with where that old man Steve has gone? Mm. And in a way, it did deal with it by mm. not dealing with it. Yeah. He's mm. hanging with the Inhumans, so we will never see him again. <laughs> Ever. He's got Lockjaw, literally <laughs> and figuratively. Oh, Lockjaw was cute, though. Yeah. I, I Well, yeah. I, I was disappointed by that, if I'm honest. I thought that he might have you know, snuck in a cameo from old Steve, even if it was just the back of his head. You know, as it as he slumps in his chair, <laughs> and Sam's like, "Oh no!" Like the first scene of the, the first scene of the first episode is Sam coming in. Well, Steve, <laughs> I've had a great day. Oh, oh no, Steve, Steve's dead, and that's it. That's how the show begins. They, they did sort of you know take a beat to show all the people who happened to be tuning into Sam's speech at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. I'm betting that somewhere Steve is watching. Yeah, they could have showed like just an old hand going, I know that guy. <laughs> I've seen him before. Hi. a text message, saw yeah. you on TV, OMG. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Peggy, I want to turn over the team. Oh, no. Peggy's gone. Oh, it's too soon. Steve. It's too soon. It's too soon. No, no. no. Okay. No. Anyway. Uh, I think that is it. That's pretty much it on that on that heartwarming note. Uh, oh I think that is it for our sports special. I will say one last thing: uh, we have not done our top ten most punchable faces in the MCU, and I did promise it. I, I do did have promise a list. It. Okay, okay. So um, Amon has already done his. That's do right. we each have a list of the top ten most punchable faces in the MCU? Non-negotiable. John Walker is number one. James is shaking his head. No, he's not my number one. But okay. Thanos two two through ten. <laughs> Thanos would punch everyone. <laughs> okay, that's um, my answer. Do you want my ten? Number ten, uh, Senator yeah. Beardy dude, um, who I just don't like. Number nine, oh, Ronan the Accuser. He's very punchable. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that okay. motherfucker! Yeah. Always yep. accusing people. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, number life eight. is a roller coaster for Ronan. <laughs> number eight. Uh, although Ronan the Accuser could make me pie because he used to be the pie man, so that I has to beg your pardon. You know, that's why he's is that like a, Oh, I, I see. No, that Actually, was a, actual pie. Okay. Uh, a TV, TV <laughs> show that Lee Pei started. In. Never mind. Yep. Okay. Um, number eight, Justin Hammer, em- uh, eminently punchable. It's Hammer time. But his number dancing. seven is Hayward. I know. I, I like. I feel bad for Sam Rockwell, but also <laughs> Justin Hammer is the worst. So. Hayward. Yeah. 
Hayward. Hayward. Yeah. Hayward yeah. is not on your list. It's a high. It's not high. on your list. Wow. wow. Suck. Yeah. Number six, Zemo. Uh, number no. five, Mysterio. Fuck that guy. He is the worst. Why would you want to um, punch that face? You couldn't punch that look, face. They're all handsome, okay? They are all handsome, apart from my number one. They are all handsome. There is no getting around that. I did disqualify a couple of people who I think are too handsome to punch, but not as many as you would think. Anyway. And also, punching the Mysterio, difficult because you'd just bang your hand off the fishbowl. Well, well, I'd wait until he took the fishbowl off, obviously. Um, Clever Helen. I like it. Four, Aldrich Killian. Uh, number three, Yon Rog. Fuck that guy. Uh, number Yon two, Yon Rog. Number two is Walker, and number one is Thanos. There I said it. <gasps> well, luckily Thanos wouldn't even notice Helen because he's so hardcore. <laughs> so that's that's absolutely fine. No, it's fine. I'd, I'd get a, I'd ben. get a power up first. It'd be fine. <laughs> I haven't put mine in order yet, but they are all oh, very ben. punchable. Um, it, it pains me to say, but Obadiah Stane, like, I don't want to punch Jeff Bridges. Oh. See, yeah, he, he is very punchable. I disqualified mm. him because I don't want to punch Jeff Bridges. I know, it would feel wrong, you know, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. just wrong. Punching the dude? Yeah. Um, yeah. Clearly you're not a golfer. <laughs> uh, Justin Hammer, I, I, I would punch him as well. Thanos, obviously on the list. Ego, but it's hard to punch him because his face is a planet. I had the same problem. Like I was like, yes, I want to punch Ego because he's the worst, but also I don't want to punch Kurt Russell. So I was like, Ugh. Ego's face is Kurt Russell's face. How would you ever want to punch Kurt Russell's face? Because he killed Ego's Peter terrible. Quill's mum. Yeah. Ego- Look, it was collateral damage. And oh my God. Also, wow. also- you have been calling for justice against Bucky for years. <laughs> and when Ego does it, it's fine just because you like the thing and oh all his God. other films ever. Oh. Uh, Yon Rog, super high up my list. Super Punch that high. dude. Agent Sitwell, he gives off like, he mm. gave off such benign vibes for a while and then he was super evil. <laughs> I think um, so that gives you a punch. Yeah. Uh, Ulysses Claw is on my list as well. Oh. Um, mm. uh, yeah. Squidward guy, can't remember his name. Baby uh, Jones from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. No, the other one. <laughs> the crab from Thunder Force. No, Ebony the other Moore. one. Ebony Moore. Ebony, Ebony Moore is on my Moore, list. good call. And um, other than Walker at top of my list is uh, Elon Musk in Iron Man 2. Yes, good call. <laughs> See, this is why I don't like going last. <laughs> <laughs> Did I beat you to the punch? At number 10, Ben Travis. <laughs> no, no. How dare you? At number, no, at number 10, Quicksilver. Really? Wow. Yeah. Fuck him. Didn't see yeah. that come in. Is this one division Quicksilver or Age Pietro of Ultron Quicksilver? Or, or real Quicksilver? Uh, the MCU Quicksilver. Oh, the MCU wow. Quicksilver. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he's just okay. got a punchable face. Wow. You know, the, the arrogance, the, ar- the nerve of the man. I have to say, I did not see that coming. I did not. Hey. <laughs> Ben's like, I said that 35 I seconds that. ago. I Number did that nine. faster than Amon Quicksilver. <laughs> <laughs> he beat me by one second. Number nine. It's a quote from Age of Ultron. I got it. Yeah, it's a really yeah, good film. Yeah. Number nine, Arnim Sola. <laughs> yeah, I had him on my long list. Yeah. <laughs> normal yeah. or screen? Um, Both. Normal, because I wouldn't want to punch a screen. Number eight. And it is, again, this is the character, not the actor. The actor is a comedic legend and I love him. But Gary Shandling's Senator Stern yeah. from mm-hmm. Iron Man 2 yeah. and The Winter Soldier. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. fine. Again, this is the punch listed. to Gary's face. The punch to Gary's face. This is Gary Shandling. Number seven. <laughs> Emil Blonsky. I yeah. don't like his haircut. No, he was mm-hmm. on my long list as well. But, yeah. you know, again, I liked him Roth. I felt bad. I tried to go for some blast from the past with this, if I'm honest mm. with you. Emil, you know? 
Emil was rocking. Was it was it Prada or Dolce Gabbana the other day? It, it looked good. Yeah, it was a 2012 yeah. um, uh, men's fashion show with um, Tim Roth, Gary Oldman, Adrian Brody, and Willem Dafoe walking for I yeah. think Prada. Yeah, yeah I, think I mean it was. they looked amazing. They yeah, they did. They did. Mm-hmm. Uh, number six, Seven from Iron Man Three. Yep. Mm-hmm. Number five, Fandral. Again, <laughs> again. Fuck wow. that guy. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, that doesn't sit well with me. It's Jasper Sitwell. Number three, yes, Ben, it's Elon Musk from Iron Man yes. 2. Number two, Ebony Maw. And number one, John Walker. Ben had... Ben had two members of the Russell family in his top 10. What do you have against the Russell family? <laughs> Just they, they are so good and they're all extremely beautiful people, but they tend to play real shits in these movies, you know? Wow. That's not my fault. Wow. Harsh. Protect Goldie Horn at all costs. <laughs> and Kate Hudson. Which, which Fandral, though? Uh, uh, both. Line wow. them up. Two faces at once. Oh Just, my God. you know, double punch. <laughs> um, yeah. Whichever one was most annoying. I mean, I really like Zachary Levy, mm-hmm. and I, I loved interviewing him, and he's great in Shazam. But you know, no, sorry, mate, your your face is being punched. It's also really good in Chuck. He is one of nature's brunettes. Like you know, there are certain actors when they that's make them blonde, and you're just going, no, that's incorrect. Mm-mm. You know what? You know who's got a punchable face? Who's that? Apart from me, obviously. I mean, all of us, I think. Blonde point. eyebrow Thor. You know that that, <laughs> that doesn't sit well with me anymore when I look back on the original <laughs> Thor possibly the worst creative decision in the first five years mm. of the MCU apart from you know the whole of the Incredible Hulk was dyeing his his eyebrows, eyebrows yeah. Yeah, and, and facial mistake. hair for Thor just doesn't it looks weird it's yeah. funny you should mention Thor Chris because today as we record this is three years since a certain Thor Odinson put the hammer down in Wakanda <laughs> A glorious moment, I think we can all agree. I think we can all agree. What fun, what fun. Who knows, maybe we'll be able to talk to the composer of the music for that scene soon. I'm on, am I right? Am I right? Maybe. Yes, you are. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because uh, we're going to be doing an Alan Silvestri special on the podcast very, very soon. Uh, Me and Abon are going to be talking to Mr. Silvestri, I hope, unless I fucked it up, in which case we won't be, in which case ignore this bit, in which case forget that it ever existed, because that is it. That is it for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier spoiler special final episode and the whole season indeed. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We have some time off now, folks. We have our Fridays back to ourselves for the next six weeks or so. Before we are back on June 14th, if these things go out every single Monday, with the first episode of Loki, June 14th. But in the meantime, until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from Riverside name, because we're doing this in Riverside. Mm-hmm. Nice job, Cap. Ben Travis. Bye. It's goodbye from the butler did it, James Dyer. Mr. Carson. Goodbye. <laughs> It's goodbye from It Was Sharon All Along, Amon Warman. Peace. Peace indeed be unto you, my friend. <laughs> it is goodbye from Bucky Number Slevin, Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. And it's goodbye from me, Touche, Touche, US Agent. <laughs> and that's an inside joke that I will never explain to you. But anyway, uh, I'm off to figure out how long it takes to fly from Louisiana to New York under the power of your own wings.
Oh, man, look, I tried this from uh, when X-Men 3 came out and Angel flew across country in about mm-hmm. five hours. Like, it only leads to pain and suffering. <laughs> don't, don't do it. <laughs> Just leads assume, to the dark side. It, it assume he, he hopped on a nearby Quinjet and it was oh, all yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. That is what I'm doing. Anyway, Wakanda thank technology. Wakanda technology, man. <laughs> that's the answer. That's it. That is it. <laughs> Fly Air Wakanda. Why not? (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.